0: Bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com
1: Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender.
2: Welcome to the show and welcome to National Disability Employment Awareness Month. And we have, all this month, been reminding everyone in the United States that Americans with disabilities want to compete equally in the workforce, in life, and really enjoy true quality of life. When I think of that phrase, true quality of life, that is what reminds me very much of our guest today. And I had the great honor and privilege at the National Business Leadership Conference in Minnesota, only a few weeks ago, here a speaker, an author, Matthew Sanford, who is author, founder of Mind Body Solutions, speaker, philosopher, yoga instructor, most importantly, not only a great leader for Americans with disabilities, but in my opinion, a charming, charismatic, young man that, you know, really can make a difference in the United States if we get him out there in front of people. And it is my honor to have him as our guest today. Matthew, welcome to the show.
3: Thank you. It's an honor to be here.
2: Well, uh, Matthew, I know that in the United States there are many, many, many people with disabilities, 54 million, but of course not all of them decide to be a leader or an advocate, or a speaker, as you have chosen to do. So my first question is, what made you decide that you were going to speak out? Uh, You know, we know you have a disability, but what made you decide that you wanted to be a speaker or an advocate, someone that would speak out rather than just living with their disability?
3: Well, and I think this is one of the themes not only of waking, but what I do. I mean, my life, I I was in a car accident when I was 13, and, and end up becoming a paraplegic. And, um, that what my life did was hand me a very unique experience. And what, and I fact, in fact, believe that it showed me something really important and in some ways very simple about the relationship between mind and body. So, in fact, I felt like I was left with an insight from my experience and that, and that led, led me to become a yoga teacher and all the things I've done. And I decided, to become an advocate or a speaker when I realized that the same issues that I live with in my mind-body relationship I'm paralyzed from the chest down. I have a harder time being present in my body than you or someone that has full has, has all, all their spine intact let's say um, that the problem that I live every day is shared by everybody. We all have a mind we all have a body and it's constantly changing. So I, I feel like my experience living with this disability, my spinal cancer that I have, actually gave me an insight that the world needs to know about. And so I ended up writing the book and, and all these things because I wanted to bring the reader not just inside a catastrophic accident but inside the mind-body relationship in a way that readers usually don't get to. The book is a very intimate book, and I want, my goal of it, though, is not to have you think about me and what I've accomplished, but to think about your own life. And everyone's life's got trauma, and everyone's got got hard stories. And that uh, the goal of the book is to make you think about your own life, not about mine.
2: Well, and you know what? That doesn't surprise me to hear you say that, because I'm telling you, when I met him, I was so impressed with him. And he is a very humble uh, person with a very gentle spirit. So, you know, no surprise. And I know you mean what you're saying. You yep. mentioned there Matthew a few minutes ago that you had an accident. Do you mind talking for a few minutes to our listeners yep. about what actually happened to you and how that changed your life?
3: Yeah, I was um I was my family was driving home f- um from Kansas City, Missouri to Duluth, Minnesota where I was born and raised and it was an innocent day it seemed like it was 31 degrees and misting. And we came up, you know, it, but it was just cold enough where that thing you hear about called preferential icing actually happened. We came up on an overpass and slid right off down an embankment. My father and sister were killed. My mother and brother didn't have any overt, too bad physical injuries. My mom just bruised her face. My brother jammed his shoulder. But I ended up doing a whole bunch of stuff. I ended up breaking my neck, my back, both my wrists, um, filled the lung with fluid and had an injury to my pancreas that, didn't allow me to eat for over two months but the, you know the miraculous thing about the healing process i was only 13 at the time is that when you think about it if you see me now today the, the only one little part of my body didn't heal which is my spinal cord that my body in my you know my mind-body relationship did a miraculous job of healing except for this little thing that they you know my body can't figure out how to do and neither can medical science yet but um but it's but that for the most part i came through it okay
2: Well, first of all, you know, my question is, how did you come through this without having an absolutely horrific, traumatic, emotional scar after that?
3: Um, You know, in some ways, I think that part of the answer to that is that, um, that I was only 13. That I was young, you know, in a way, my innocence was kind of part of my biggest strength, is that I didn't really get all the way how injured I was. In fact, the doctors came up to my mom on a couple of occasions when I was in intensive care for those first couple of weeks because I was about as close as you could be to not being here as, as you can get pretty much. And, and they said, God, it's so good he doesn't know how injured he is. It's so good he just thinks he's going to go. And that's one of the things I want to get across. One of the things I know about my experience is there's a strength in us in all of us, that we just don't know. Not all of us have to get measured to see if it's there. But I'd like to take credit, even though I'd like to take credit for how how brave and strong that 13-year-old boy was, but I really can't. I mean, he woke up, he opened his eyes from a coma, that's why it's called waking, and he connected to the light around him, to his family, to the people around him and the community helped me get better right and i just kind of went towards the light in the beginning i just i wanted to live i mean and, I, and it's kind of funny because as an adult i think back like did i ever really think that i wasn't going to make it did i know the drama that was going on and the truthful answer is no i never really considered dying and and i think that tells you something about the purity of the human spirit especially when it's young that it was just moving towards survival so survival, I think, is an amazing teacher. And that, that do I have the scars that you're talking about? Oh, I'm sad. I, you know, when it's all said and done, I, I, I wish it hadn't happened. <laughs> you know, but that's not the life I got. You know, so, and I have grief. I mean, I still miss my father and sister, and I think about them a lot. Right? But that's just part of, I got, you only get one life. And it's not like you're supposed to overcome your life. I, and I really, that's one of the messages I like to talk about when I talked publicly, is that I'm not a yoga teacher now, 27 years later, because, because I overcame my disability and became a yoga teacher. I'm a yoga teacher because of my disability, because of what I learned about the mind-body relationship, because of what my experience was as a disabled person, that I know what I know now enough to become a yoga teacher. And then I think that's true about life. I mean, bad things are going to happen in everyone's life. And that's just the truth and well, then you, it's how it's it's what you what you make of it and you can't overcome it.
2: Yes. Well, Matt, we have uh, an email or here's our first question from one of our listeners in Tampa, Florida, and the question is uh, I have read your book, Mr. Sanford, and I do have to ask you this question. Did it ever occur to you or have you, have you ever thought that possibly all of this happened to you for a reason, and that there was some plan from above for all of this happening from length.
3: Um You know what? I'm not going to rule anything out. <laughs> you know, do I actively think that this all had a purpose? I'm not sure. If, if, if someone's um, making things happen at that level, I, I don't know. Um, I kind of like to think that. I know that I spent a lot of time. You know, feeling like I had an insight and I was supposed to share something. That's kind of haunted my life since I was 13. And so, and there's a lot of things that happened in the book. I mean, you'll see in the book where it does seem like there's some, some things, you know, like 27 days before the accident. I, I was just first dating a, I was maybe at my first junior high school crush. I was in seventh grade. And the girl that I was, quote, courting as much as you do as a, as a 13-year-old, Um, her brother, um, her brother is, was also a paraple- paraplegic. And so um, he, um, she told me about him, and I felt really bad about it. And, and I, I said, and I announced the words out loud, I'd rather be dead than in a wheelchair. Now it's 27 days before it happened. I mean, there were a lot of little things that, like, my brother dreamed of an accident a couple of years before the accident. There were things that happened in our life that you kind of go, wow, maybe that was always coming. But I don't think it necessarily matters whether that's true or not. I feel, and the line I use in my book, is that everyone's life is like a river gaining current. That is, you know, that like things are happening and unfolding, and whether there's someone and a reason for it, or someone was planning something, in a way, I'm just going to smile and do my work. And if that's true, hopefully if I work with integrity, I'll be doing the right thing, you know. So I definitely don't rule anything out.
2: Well, and I, and, and I agree with you, and what I say about that, Linda, is that whether or not, and I assume what you're talking about here is God, and whether or not God caused it, I think that uh, there is someone that God allows us, whether or not, whatever it is you believe in, that, that we, are, we are allowed to then react however we want. And that react can be doing something to give back or not. In Matthew's case, he chose to give back. And now, because of him, someone could be listening to this show who is extremely despondent or depressed, who has pretty much given up on life and become suicidal, that could be changed by hearing him talk on this show. So as I tell people, you just never know what your purpose is and what all you're going to accomplish. And I also
3: would say whether this is purpose or not is that if you really... Listen and, and, and really trust that there is strength in you that you don't know. That people that are on the edge like that, you know, their minds can't quite imagine how their life can go forward in a meaningful way. But without sounding too touchy-feely, your heart knows. You know, don't think so much and try to anticipate how hard your life's gonna be. Just start living one day at a time. And you'll be amazed about life. When you, when you work with integrity one day at a time, Good things happen over time, and that it's kind of like it, but it's the, the first step, the first starting to move, the first thing and, and cutting through all your worries and apprehensions about what your life's going to be, and just start living in the moment. And when that starts happening, and the world seems to unfold opportunities that you can't imagine from where you're sitting when you're despondent.
2: That's right, and and I'll tell you, anyone listening, you all know I have epilepsy. And I had a near-fatal accident 21 years ago when I had a seizure at a movie theater and hit the floor so hard I fractured my skull and had an intracranial brain hemorrhage and then had life-saving brain surgery. Wow. I never thought how that seizure would change my life. And look what I do now. Look what it does. Never know. Alright, listen, we're gonna to go to break, but we are talking to Matthew Sanford, the founder of Mind Body Solutions and author of Waking. We'll be right back to talk to him more. Don't go away, you're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, on VoiceAmerica.com where disability matters.
0: the world leader in Internet talk radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com.
4: I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are 2.5 million Americans with the condition, and 1 in 10 Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, But too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Albert
1: Einstein once said, Nothing happens until something moves. Well, your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and free your mind, open your heart, and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney, shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcasts each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential.
5: Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender.
2: And here we are back with our guest, Matthew Sanford, founder of Mind Body Solutions, author, speaker, yoga instructor, and just so talented in so many ways. And Ashley, as I'm sitting here talking to all of you listeners, I have on my desk a copy of a great new book, "Waking," which, as Matthew mentioned, is all about him waking from a coma. But once again, Matthew, uh, two questions I have. First, and I would really encourage everyone to buy this book. It is really a great book. Uh, so, you, you at the end you can tell our listeners how okay. they can purchase the book.
3: Okay.
2: Um, but what was your main purpose? or writing the book, and are you speaking across the country talking about your book?
3: Um, the answer to the second question is yes. I definitely go around, not just talking about the book, but I do a lot of things that come out of the book. I, I, You know, I wrote the book on some level because I live with a spinal cord injury, and I also am now 15 years into being a yoga student and teacher. That, in fact, I've got such a unique view and story about the mind-body relationship that, you know, and I... That I wrote *Waking* to try to tell the story as to what makes me, in some ways, be an expert on the mind-body relationship, and it's not traditional. I mean, it, you know, it's not like I went and went to a graduate school and studied the mind-body problem as it relates through neurological deficit. Right there, there was no program like that. So, in some ways, I wrote *Waking* because I do feel like I have, and been left, my life has given me an insight about not just the mind-body relationship, but the nature of our consciousness and that I needed, I needed to get that, the base platform story out that, that allowed me then to go and do the speaking so people could start to see where I was coming from and why. Um, and I ended up writing a literary memoir, which is, which is different because I'm trained as I went to graduate school in philosophy and I studied the mind-body problem and issues related to consciousness. And, and I, I got really struck at one point, and it's in the book, where I just realized that I could spend my whole life arguing about minds and bodies but I really didn't know what they were. And that, so for me, there was a, a, a realization that I needed to study minds and bodies directly for me to really make comment on them in the way that I wanted to. So that ended up leading me to yoga. So I, and, and, then, and then a whole bunch of things started coming from that. So I, I started out writing this more philosophically, kind of with a furrowed brow and being really abstract and analytic about it. And then my life kept unfolding in ways that I couldn't believe. I mean, and and over and over again. And finally, the I started writing the book when um, I'm married and I have a a six-year-old son. But he was a twin, and and his brother his brother didn't died thirty-four weeks in utero. And I watched the birth of my son, my living son, and my dead son. Um, it back in two thousand, and that literally made me know. At that moment, when I saw life and death traveling side by side in the same belly, I thought, hmm, you know, I can like, you know, think and abstractly about all these things, but in fact my life has given me the story. And then I need to write my story in hopes that people will then invite me to go speak and do the other work I do. So that's the long answer to your question, is that I didn't write the book so much to tell you something just about me. But I realize my life is an amazing example of the importance of staying connected to your body, whether or not you're living with a disability or not, that we underestimate the importance of being present within our body and that that's part of the story of waking, is waking to the importance of, of living vibrantly through the body. Without that necessarily meaning you have to run on a treadmill. Right? That There are other ways to do it.
2: You have just a winner orientation. You know that? You have lived through such trauma in your life, and Uh, here you are out there helping other people. What a great person you are. There's
3: there's a line from a song by Bruce Coburn I really like, it only lives if you give it away. And, And I really think there's truth to that, that as someone you're talking about, people that are despondent, as you start giving of yourself and give of yourself, then it really comes alive. Like, you come alive. it You know, the work goes into the world in a good way. And that's part of the... It's hard to see when you're having a hard life. But in fact, as you start giving and helping others, something comes alive in you. And that's part of the beauty of living. And and that's something that, that I think is a simple way to start the wheels moving again after after some sort of traumatic event.
2: And I believe that. I do. I I agree with you. I believe that so much. Now Matthew, how do my listeners purchase your book?
3: Um, you know, it's you know, it's distributed nationally um by Rodale um and so it should be in any bookstore. It was released in in the summer, so with fall books it might not be as evident in the bookstores any local bookstores, but you can get it on amazon.com for sure, dot com. Um but so basically, anywhere books are sold, and if they don't have it in your local bookstore, then ask them to order it because that's the best way. I mean, as a first-time author, the truth is, my message will only be able to come out again if I sell enough books because that's part of how the business works. And so, um, buying at your local bookstore is actually probably the best way to do it for me. But but you can get it anyway, and you know, through through the internet or whatever.
2: The book, Waking. Matthew Sanford, A Memoir of Trauma and Transcendence. Transcendence. Matthew Sanford, S-A-N-F-O-R-D. If you go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or, as he said, your local bookstore, make a point of getting this book. You know, we all want to support our brothers and our sisters with disabilities. Here's your chance. Go to the bookstore and ask for Waking, and you won't be disappointed With the book. The only disappointment you'll have is my copy is autographed. So you're going to have to go here and speak somewhere with your book, and then you, too, can get your copy autographed. Or
3: find a place for me to come speak where they live.
2: There you go. Yep.
3: Um,
2: Matthew, we have uh, another question here from a Tony in New Jersey, and this question is, uh, Mr. Sanford, my question is, as a young person, did you find that people treated you differently when you went back to school after that, you were in a wheelchair? Um, yes,
3: yeah, some people did for sure. I was blessed. I mean, one of the things I know from my life experience is that, you know, trauma doesn't happen to one person or even to one family. It happens to a community. And I was blessed with some amazing friends. And so I think my transition in, in my core network was really helped because I had amazing friends. And so that softened some of the transition back into school um, but you know there are a lot of people that didn't know me and you know because I was only in at the time I went to school 7th grade was junior high and that was the first year there so I was only there for one not even one whole quarter of 7th grade before I was gone until 8th grade and um, they just passed me on to 8th grade to keep me with my friends but but there's always that 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 distance when people You know that don't know you are kind of worried and figuring stuff out. What I try to do there is you just kind of let you just keep smiling and keep your chest lifted. You'll be amazed what happens when you keep engaging the world and not judging it because they're you know people that are nervous are nervous because they don't know what to do and they're not used to being around people with the with the disability. It's amazing how far a smile and warmth can travel. To make them be able to go, oh, this is just like any other guy, right? Or any other woman. It's just like, and and that's unfortunately a leap that our culture needs to make. And it, it, believe me, compared to 27 years ago when I was first injured, it's gotten a lot better. Our culture is generally because of shows like yours, Choice, right? And and the the work that you've been doing over the years that our culture is more aware and sensitive to people living with disabilities. But I I do think that there are those going back to school especially when you're young, all the social stress anyway, even if you're not disabled. Um, but what I also tried to do was, 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 you know, let my uniqueness be one of my strengths as opposed to, like, just trying to be like everyone else. That I was different, and that's okay. As long as I keep smiling, and make everyone comfortable.
2: Well, and let me tell you, you have that engaging smile. No doubt about that. You know what, I told, uh, I, the other day I spoke to high school students with disabilities, mm-hmm. and what I told them is if when you're at school there are people that make fun of you, this one said, yeah, I have this friend and they make fun of me. I said, well, no, you need to restate that. That's not your friend.
3: Well, and it also, and I try to feel compassion when someone's making fun of you, it's because that they are actually um, unsure of themselves. Mm-hmm. That when people that are picking on other people, whether it's someone with a disability or not, it's their weakness that is making them do that. And that is something that, as a younger person, it's hard to know and, and have thick skin, but it's, it's actually the truth, is that when someone's doing that and it's having to put down someone else to feel cool, that person is weak. And they are not your friend. I agree with you. I mean, I'm not saying feel compassionate and accept it. I'm saying, like, but know that that comment's not really about you. It's about them and their weakness. So I think in a lot of ways there you need to have a boundary at a different place. Like when people are being stupid and 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 showing how ignorant they are, that's about them. That's not about about you if you're the one if you're the receiver of those type of insults.
2: Yeah, and isn't that the truth? That is so true. <clears throat> well, Matthew, you have obviously been able to adjust extremely well after going through a traumatic accident and then the loss even of your son only five years ago you seem to have an incredibly inner strength. Now my question is what do you attribute that to? Do you feel it's that inner person that you told me you have? Do you think mm-hmm. it's from your family, your well, friends all of the above? What I think, think it's
3: probably some combination of everything. Um, you know I had an ama- you know we were an ordinary family, but we were a remarkable family too. I think that that's true in a lot of families, you know. That like, and, and you know, and 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 I do think I've had great friends and all those things. But I also that when you talk about that inner strength, I think strength is something that you have to open to, as opposed to something you have to prove. Mm-hmm. And so the people that like you know try to prove this and prove that how strong they are, or whatever. Those are the ones. That end up insulting people because they're not sure of themselves mm-hmm. right that that like I believe and know and and I think that's because of my upbringing too I'm lucky i you know i had a I had a really nice family um, before, until the accident happened and 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 we continue to be a good family what's what's left of us but like I know that there's strength in us that I can do stuff you know I think sometimes I think it's as simple as like when I was a little kid before the injury you know like all the homework was always my responsibility. You know, like I I was given the idea early on that I can handle whatever I can handle, that I had a good head on my shoulders. And, And unfortunately, a lot of people don't get that message growing up, which is really unfortunate.
2: Well, you definitely got that message. And I'll tell you what, if you have a group of young people or a business, don't care what it is, Here's a great person to have come and speak to that group. You're listening to Matthew Sanford, the founder of Mind Body Solutions and author of the great book, Waking. This is Joyce Bender on America's Voice, VoiceAmerica.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away.
4: To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000.
6: Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood jet set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with president of Treveras David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer
0: Bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com
5: If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joyce Spender.
2: And welcome back. We're talking to our guest, Matthew Stanford, as we're celebrating this month. National Disability Employment Awareness Month. And remember, next week, Tuesday, Dora Bush Cook, President of the United States' sister, will be our guest, talking about her new book, My Father, My President. So, you know, Matthew, we're trying so hard to get the word out to so many people about quality of life. And I think it's amazing that you are the recipient Of the Karma Yoga Award from the Yoga Journal. What the part I think that's amazing to me is that you pursued yoga after your accident. Uh Like if you meet Matthew, it's not that you know he was adult and prior to that boy he was just a yoga master and then he had the accident. It's the other way around, which I think is so important. Um, and, And today you teach yoga. Uh, and, and let me tell you, I've been in one of his little sessions where he just did a few things, and you know, everyone in the room, non-disabled, you know, could barely make any of these moves he was telling everyone to make. But uh, for our listeners, why yoga? Um,
3: well, one of the things that I think is true about disability, if you think about it, remember, you got to forgive me. I'm a philosopher, right? So I think, I think kind of in, in sometimes more abstract ways, but. What really is going on with me? If you think about my fundamental disability, I think this is true with almost every disability: is that I live a mind-body problem. That it's harder for my mind to be present in my whole body. Like, let's say someone with cerebral palsy, their their mind can't and they can their muscles don't fire evenly. So when they think to go move their arm, their muscle doesn't fire. Like literally, they live a mind-body problem too. And that almost all disabilities, on some level, are a mind-body problem. Even aging: as you age, and your body doesn't work as well. Your body doesn't do it. Your mind tells it to. That's a mind-body problem. Well, what happened to me is that by when I was first going through, and 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 the first third of the book of Waking is my experiences at the Mayo Clinic, where I learned as a young boy, as a thirteen-year-old, kind of how to disassociate from my body to avoid the pain of what was happening, all the corrective stuff that was happening to me that I wouldn't be here without. But the next third of the book is 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 more about the cost of being separated from your body, like if you learn how to disassociate from your body which is good in the short term when you're under excruciating pain but if you don't reconnect to your body there there're going to be there are going to be costs to that so what ends up happening to me 12 i lived for 12 years following the rehabilitation vision of making my arms really strong and trying to overcome my body and drag my paralyzed body through life and that 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 vision actually made my fundamental injury, because I know my, 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 my injury, my broken back was the cause of my injury, but the, the, the disability I live with is a mind-body injury. And that by trying to just overcome my body and drag it around, I actually was making the mind-body problem worse because my paralyzed body became like an object. And so after 12 years of that, I reached a point where, you know, as an athletic little kid, I really missed my body. I love being in my body, right? And so I came to yoga because I'm thinking, okay, I've got to somehow get more in my body. i had had previously starting yoga some body work and an amazing body worker that showed me that there was still ways and ways I could feel my whole body. And then I'm thinking, okay, i got to pursue that. And then if you think about it, what better way to do that than a 4,000-year-old than a, than a discipline that is expressly about integrating mind, body, and spirit? So I kind of, and my dad had done some yoga when I was a little kid, he had a whiplash injury. So I kind of knew about it, but he didn't do very much. So I was open to it. But then it was, seemed like a great way, and, and I was lucky enough to meet an extraordinary teacher, very first teacher I met. So that was one of those gifts I got. Her name was Joe Zukovic, is Joe Zukovic, and she lives in San Diego, California.
2: And that is how you got started. Mm-hmm. Well, we have a question from Washington, D.C. for you okay. uh, about. What advice would Mr. Sanford give to an individual who is relatively newly disabled and wishes to start a yoga routine, or someone who has had their disability for a long time and wishes to use yoga as a means to achieve better health?
3: Okay, now a couple things. I mean, one, I hate to say, and this is the truth, I would get waking and read it,
2: mm-hmm. and
3: and and that's because one of the things that I figured out with my with my disability was that, like, I'm paralyzed, so I don't feel things as much in the lower two-thirds of my body, but is that my paralyzed body, I was led to believe that it, like, stopped talking to my brain, that, like, like you know, that, that my mind-body relationship from my mind to the chest down was done. And that was not true, that that my paralyzed body didn't stop talking to my brain. It just changed its voice. And that a lot of my yoga practice has been, has been um, based on when I was first in at Mayo Clinic and just getting better enough to figure out and being told that I was a spinal, had a spinal cord injury and trying to figure out what my life might work like, I had this like sensations between my mind and by like tingling or hum or buzzing, very, barely perceptible, but like we're there. And I told them about it and they, they told me, oh no, 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 those aren't real, those are phantom feelings and, and in fact, you know, they're not going to make you walk again, so just pay attention to them and they'll go away. And they compared them to an amputee's legs. Right, Mm -hmm. they you know, Lamputee has their legs cut off, and they look on the sheets and they're shocked, you know, and they said, "Oh, don't worry, they'll fade." Well, it turns out that that level of sensation is the cornerstone of my yoga practice now. Now, it's not going to make me walk again. It's but it's it's not going to lift my leg against gravity, but it's going to make me feel more whole. And so, part of what I would say to to this is the first level. I mean, the 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 writer's question is very complicated, actually is to realize and start listening to your own experience in your mind-body relationship. And just because it's different than when, where, like like the way I move my arm is very different than what I can feel in my legs, doesn't mean that there isn't something important there. So I think the first step is starting to listen inwardly to your experience a little bit differently. The next step is whether it's yoga or whatever, you know, you need to live in your whole body. You need to, you know, even if I can't, when I'm doing yoga postures, like when, I, when you were in, in the thing I was doing, Joyce, when you were in the audience and I was having, I was taking my arms over my head and your arms are over your head, and I'm saying, push down through your heels. I'm trying to push down through my heels. Like I'm actually trying to fill my whole mind-body relationship regardless of my disability. What's interesting when you start doing that is that things start changing, your balance gets better. A whole bunch of other things start changing Because for a long time, I just went through my life before I started yoga, just living as a floating upper torso. I didn't think that it was really connected to anything below, and that that was part of the mistake. That I, that I am a whole body, and you want to be vibrant through your whole body, and, and that that's something, yoga is one vehicle to do that. The other thing I would say, there's a, there's a, a really important passage in the book where the first time I meet Joe, my yoga teacher, She has me get out of my chair, onto the floor, which is a place I'm not used to being, but then I take my legs wide, and it's really emotional. I I, I tear up, and I don't understand why it's so important and powerful, and I realize that I hadn't had my legs wide in 12 years, that why would a guy in a wheelchair ever have his legs wide? Mm -hmm. And that just living in more spaces in my body, you know, taking my legs wide, rolling over onto my stomach, you know, stretching one leg up, one leg down, That's just good for your your human being. It's good for consciousness, and that so moving around more, not just trying to go really fast in a wheelchair or wheelchair athletics are great. But I think that there's another course too that needs to be um, pursued simultaneously, and that is realizing that mind body exercise can happen through any mind and body, and that that's something you need to do. And the other, the final thing to that question, which is such a hard question to ask, is that. You need to try to find a yoga teacher that has a big open heart. I I am going around the country training yoga teachers to help people teach people with disabilities. Like I'm going to be at the Yoga Journal National Conference um, in this May in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, doing an intensive to help yoga teachers get more ready to help people with disabilities. I do that work. I'm training yoga teachers all the time to do that. So my hope is in the next 10 years there will be a way for people live with this ability that can practice yoga. Because one of the really important things, yoga does not discriminate. Yoga, the principles of yoga apply to any mind-body relationship. And that that's yoga is a beautiful way to pursue it. Not, yoga is not about putting your leg behind your head and being able to do all that. Yoga is about being able to move with more consciousness in the mind-body relationship you have. So...
2: And, and if you're listening to the show now, I think you can tell how passionate he is about that. that would... and, and I know you, that you really do. Um, it's more than an exercise mm. to Matthew. It is it... really part of his whole philosophical uh, belief. And I do want to talk about that one more time. Okay. You frequently use the phrase mind-body integration mm-hmm. when I heard you speak. Mm-hmm. Can, can you talk about that a little bit more for yeah. our listeners?
3: What I, what I, you know, when I do talks, often I talk about, you know, I, I talk about the, the phenomena of being present in your body, too. Like, literally, where mind intersects with body, you experience as presence within your body. Now, one of the, one of the things, that how I often in a talk will try to, like, define that, is I'll have everyone slouch in their chair, right? And then they kind of lean and I say, take a picture of what it feels like to, in your legs right now. Everyone sit up straight and tall and press down through your heels, right? And then I'll say you feel your inner thighs now, or you feel your legs more, right? That's presence. That's when mind integrates through body. Now what's amazing about 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 that level, when when I sit up straight and try to press down through my heels, my presence changes too. That mind body integration, the the level of presence you experience within your body, right, changes as you get into more alignment. In in and, and move with more precision. It becomes richer and fuller. And what's one of the breakthroughs that Joe and I made with yoga was that to realize that that's true whether or not you live with a disability. But what happens with me, like when I sit up straight and try to feel my spine up straight and see how that affects my, what I sense in my legs, it's not as loud. It's a different type of perception. But one of the reasons why I wrote Waking and I wanted to get it out in the world is I want to get out the simple truth that there are other connections between mind and body that are more subtle, they're really important, and they're not just important for people living with a disability. Part of what I go into corporations, I have a program called Bringing Your Body to Work, that is an innovative approach to stress management. But like that, that those quieter spaces in your mind-body relationship, you know, that aren't going to help me walk again, but help me feel whole. That's where stress lands, and that you need to be able to be aware of that space in positive, healthy ways. And so, getting back to the other question about how you start yoga, start paying attention more to what you experience within your body, and, and you will actually get in more contact with this level of, that you have that I think a lot of the strength is in.
2: Yeah, and I really would encourage everyone to purchase the book, Waking, by Matthew Sanford, because that really is a great introduction to everything he's talking about, Buy it. You won't, it's a great book. You won't regret it. Right now, we're gonna go to break before we come back to close the show. If you've joined us just now, we've been talking to Matthew Sanford, author, yoga instructor, leader extraordinaire. We'll be right back. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com.
0: conversation at a click of a mouse voice i'm
4: garcelle Bove nylon when i played a da on nypd blue i got all the facts before trying a case yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy there are two and a half million americans with the condition and one in ten americans will have a seizure in their lifetime people with epilepsy want to lead normal lives but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000.
1: The woman MVP who sets you free with host, entrepreneur, author, motivational speaker, corporate executive, philanthropist, wife and mother, Luanne Mitchell-Halter, is an exciting and provocative look at the real world with real exciting guests and real stories of triumph and professionalism with a dash of spice, sharing recipes for a better world on all the playing fields of life. Join Luann Mitchell-Halter as she and her guests uncover and expose us to our abilities to create our very own Big League MVP, My Victory Plan, Potential for Greatness. The Woman MVP Who Sets You Free with Luann Mitchell-Halter broadcast each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. The Woman MVP Who Sets You Free. It's time to get off the bleachers, play the game of life, and be the MVP albert einstein once said nothing happens until something moves While well, your movement towards realizing a dream making a long-lasting change to your life or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away tune into maximizing life with scott chesney and free your mind open your heart and ignite action in your life Host commander and change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, broadcasts each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential.
0: The Powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
5: If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-472. 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender.
2: And don't forget next week, sister of the President of the United States, daughter of former President Bush, who signed the Americans with Disabilities Act, Dora Bush Cook will be on our show next Tuesday, 2 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Don't miss it. Right now we're talking to Matthew Sanford who is the author of the book Waking and the founder of Mind Body Solutions. I want to make sure I take a moment quickly so that you can tell our listeners Mind Body Solutions. What type of seminars do you present if someone's listening to the show today and interested?
3: Um we I do we do a number of things. One, are um, three basic areas. I teach yoga. I adapt it to people's disabilities. So I go around the country teaching yoga, both to people who are quote able-bodied or quote disabled, right? So I do that. But we also I do a whole bunch of things within the healthcare system. So I I go around and give workshops and speaking to doctors. Um, I also do workshops for rehabilitation professionals. I travel around doing that, trying to infuse the notion of mind-body integration and whether it's through yoga or something else, that that needs to be part, like these subtle connections I've been talking about between mind and body need to be actually infused into a rehabilitation process. So rather than it taking me 12 years to figure out they were true, as you're coming through rehabilitation, they're talking to you about it right away. So I do that. And within healthcare. I do a, a, whole, a whole bunch of stuff. And then finally, um, I, have, I do have this program called Bringing Your Body to Work, which, which is interesting. It came out of, I first started teaching yoga to people living with disabilities and a lot of people in wheelchairs. And then I had the thought that it really it's not that different to sit in a wheelchair than it is to sit at a cubicle at a desk 10 hours a day. And that there really is a lot of, you know, a lot of similarities and that the Bring Your Body to Work program grew out of teaching people living with disabilities. So, but that's turned into an anti, uh, 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 a stress management um, thing that we do. I also talk to people about aging. I mean, the great thing about what I have to say, and I use waking as a platform, is that everyone's got a mind and a body. And the truth is about living is that minds and bodies work better together, which is the tagline of Mind Body Solutions. So um, that that's kind of the message I bring. And the pain on the audience, I, I shift it around. The one, the way to learn to more particularly about what I speak about is if you go to my website www.matthewsanford.com, and click on the different categories of speaking that I do. that That's a great way.
2: And that's www.MatthewSanford.com.
3: Two T's and in and Matthew you, and like Sanford and son.
2: Okay, there you got it. And you know, Matthew, you were awarded the Judd Jacobson Memorial Award for for your work with yoga and disabilities. Mm-hmm. I wondered how do people with disabilities react initially when you tell them that you're gonna to talk to them about yoga?
3: I you know, at first there's a little bit of that one eyebrow goes up and like, wow you know, like a little bit of skepticism, like I didn't think but mostly there's that like I didn't think that was even possible for me. It's like they didn't even know that it was possible. Um and the truth is it's an emerging field. I mean, I you know it's a, it's a cutting edge thing, and it's going to be in the next ten years. You'll see it more and more as there's more yoga teachers and there's more um, awareness of people with disability. This will keep happening. I hope to be part of a leader in that in that forefront. But the other thing is, you know, when when there's that feeling of incredulousness, the, what I have the advantage of is is that I'm I'm disabled too. Like and I, you know, there's a, there's a camaraderie between people that share difficult things in their lives. And so when I'm in front of them telling them, no, no, you know, even if you're paralyzed, stretched down to your feet, like there's a willingness to listen to me because they know I wouldn't lie to them, right? This, like, like we, you know, we don't. You talk about the brothers and sisters that live with 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 disability. It's like it's true. And so I think that that the skepticism transforms pretty quickly into, wow, I can't believe that I could be doing that too. Right, or and, and, and it takes time and practice. And just like anything in life, you know, you only get out of it what you put into it. You know, yeah. yoga is not going to be a silver bullet, but, it, but it's going to help. It's going to help you on a lot of levels because one of the things, whether you're disabled or not, um, is true that as your strength, balance, and flexibility increases in your body, it also increases in your mind. And that that's one of the things that yoga does that you don't realize at first. Is that there's a direct relationship between the two, and that that's why it's so important to to live your body in more spaces with your legs wide and all those things, because it does help the the adaptability and strength of your mental faculties too.
2: Well, you know, um, Matthew, you have just and I, by the way, I believe you are a pioneer. You know why? You're changing the way people think, a paradigm shift, That's when what you I'm tell hoping them about yoga for people with disabilities. Mm. I love it. Um, I think you've accomplished so much already in your life, but I was wondering, at this young age you are already at right now, what are you the proudest of? What do you think are your greatest accomplishments?
3: Mm. That's Which a I big ask question. every
2: listener this question.
3: That's a big question. On, um a little answer. I have a big answer and a little answer. A little answer is on some level um, on a practical, particular thing. I am really happy that waking is not only an amazing story, but it's a great reading experience. Mm-hmm. That I took the time to learn how to write. So that's mm-hmm. a little answer. Just in the, lately, I'm, I'm like happy with the way the book's being received. Mm-hmm. More importantly though, I think on a larger level is that I, instead of being told what I was experiencing within my paralysis and in my own mind-body relationship, I was able to listen to my own experience and believe in it. And that, and being willing also to work at it, to like not expect immediate results, that is a, you know, to actually listen to your own voice, but not just the voice you want to have, the voice that actually is happening to you, that, that being able to do that and then turn it into helping other people, right, to like have, because it's been a long run. I've been doing yoga for 15 years. There was a lot of times like, what am I doing this for? You know, but I have this faith that if I worked hard and with integrity, um, that something good would come of it. And that's what's beginning to happen now as I finally wrote the book. And so, for me, I guess I'm most proud of the willingness to be persistent without trying to prove anything. Like, knowing that if I keep working well and with integrity, something good will come out of it. And that I'm not sure how I did that. I just did it one day at a time. Right? And in some ways, I think that's what I'm the most proud of, is being not afraid to break new ground. They know that it 's not going to be easy, but it 's going to be something that will be rewarding eventually you 'll be able to help others with it and, and and not you know because there are a lot of times people my family included what are you doing Matt? I mean you looked like i wasn 't doing anything right and I was I was working on things that people didn 't understand and and having the the perseverance to work through that is is i think my my, my proudest accomplishment
2: well that 's a great one. Because how many people do I know with disabilities that went off and did something that I know people said? (laughs) And what are you doing right now? Right. And what are you doing with your life? And where are you thinking this is going to go? Remember when you say, if you're listening to the show, it can't be done. Here he is, yoga instructor. And I just want to say when I heard him speak, something I won't forget is that when he talked about the mind-body experience and aging. He talked about, look, you know, if you're non-disabled, you're going to be getting there.
3: Right. Where everyone's he already is.
2: Yeah, where he already is. You're yeah, going to we're be We're all getting leaving there.
3: our bodies as we age. This yes. is everyone's story.
2: Yes. And, you know, I start thinking about that, how as you get older and you don't have a disability that, you know... People were saying, oh, my God, I'm having to use a walker. Oh, mm-hmm. no, you know, now I'm having to use a wheelchair. And when when Matthew said that, I thought, this reminds me of when I speak to employers who do not want to hire people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And I remind them, remember, you are the temporarily able-bodied Yep. That's what he's talking about. Matthew, before we go, Mm -hmm. we ask every one of our guests to leave a message for our listeners. What is your message today?
3: That whether you're disabled or non-disabled, your mind and body work better when they work together. And it seems simple, but figure out what that means.
2: And you can figure it out by buying Waking by Matthew Sanford. We always end with a quote from a famous civil rights leader, or leader for people with disabilities. And today the quote is from our guest, Matthew Sanford. Learning to fall gracefully through one's mind-body relationship is not a submission. One learns to fall gracefully in order to roll. Oh, I love that quote, said Matthew Sanford. Matthew, thank you for joining us today.
3: It's been an honor.
2: And listen... Don't forget to buy that book, Waking, by Matthew Sanford. You've been listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability does matter. See you next week. Bye-bye. Voice America
1: would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.